The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. On this episode of History Worth Saving, we're talking about how plans don't always go the way that we think they're going to go. You've been there before, haven't you? You have life all mapped out and then something happens. Maybe it's something out of your control or maybe it's because of something that you started thinking about. You said, wait a minute, I, I don't want it to go this way. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when life doesn't go the way that we think it's going to go. What happens next is the important stuff. That course correction, that steering of the ship, that's that's where the magic happens. And some people get it really, really wrong, and other people get it right. And today there's a young man who's had one of those course corrections, one of those times in his life where things didn't go as planned. And the way that he has been able to write the direction of his life has been nothing short of a miracle. And it's incredible because to have the wherewithal to do this at such an early age and do something as big and as adventurous as what we're talking about is really incredible. So I wanted to bring Steve Nye on. Steve, thanks for being here, bud. Hey, hey man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You were a gymnast. And not just any gymnast, but a guy that was perhaps on track for the Olympics. And then something happened. Uh, and it's not something that wasn't planned to happen, but it happened in a big way, didn't it? Tell, tell us about about that moment in your life when you knew things had changed. Well, um, so in seventh grade, I uh, was at a competition in Chicago. Um, and on the first event on high bar, I grip locked um and broke my arm and um that was a pretty scary time yeah and grip lock just for people that that don't understand gymnastics and i'm going to get into the other part that was planned this part was not planned but grip lock is basically where your body keeps going around your arm stays put correct the uh, the grip basically stretched out um and wrapped around itself so my hand was not spinning around the bar um, but I was still spinning around the bar. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that got ugly. And then, then all of a sudden you had this massive growth spurt and it, uh, and yes, it, that too. and it took you, it took you out of the running, uh, for, for a variety of reasons, but that's all cool. That's, you know, that's part of life, right? Growing up is part of life. Breaking your arm uh, with a grip Correct. lock is not, but that course correction in the seventh grade, is when this started, and that to me is right. amazing. You're now in college right now, but let's talk about this because you decided maybe becoming an Olympic athlete, and a lot of people, they're, they're listening to this and they're thinking, well, now, Matt, how serious could this have been? But it was serious because your friend, your close, close friend, Shane Wiskus, is now a contender, uh, and 
in fact, that's part of this course correction, is that you have become a filmmaker. And not just any filmmaker, but a really great filmmaker with work that is being used on national campaigns and everything else. Uh, you film for one of the biggest names in the American aviation industry. Uh, that is Mike yeah. Wiskus, who is the father of your friend Shane, who is becoming this potential Olympic hopeful for the U.S. Let's talk about this, because... How do you make that course correction? Is it something that happens overnight and you just wake up and you say, I'm going to be a filmmaker or, or is there a process that you went through? Well, so it all started in uh, about 2015. Um, I had just started, you know, picking up a camera and I decided to bring it into uh, the gym and uh, film Shane. Cause he at the time kind of stood out as like one of the best gymnasts there. Uh, and so I just started, you know, making short videos with him. Um, they were all just like pretty casual. It's nothing serious. Um, but like, I really enjoyed it and he also enjoyed it and we can continue to, um, just film videos in the gym. Um, we made one mannequin challenge video, um, and that got some popularity on Shane's Instagram page. So just continued like that. And I never really, um, saw my career kind of, going in film, I always thought I was probably going to be like an engineer or something like my, my mom and sister. Um, but then um, I realized that film could actually be a career. And then how do you pursue it with a mom and a sister that, <laughs> as you've said now, who are engineers? How does that go over at the dinner table? Mom, I, I think I'm going to be a filmmaker. You know, originally my parents um, would thought that was not the best career, but then um, once they saw like all the work that I was doing and people were actually like really appreciative of the different films that I was creating, they they realized that this actually was something that I should do. And then you yourself realized it, and the die uh, was sort of cast, and you've you've gone in this direction. You're at the University of Tampa now, yes. where by the way, you you have entered a film. In, in a local film festival there, uh, and, it, and it was announced a winner. Is that, is that correct? So, yeah, so I have a separate um, film that I'm just starting, um, and uh, I found out about this contest last semester. It's um, the Miami Film Festival student competition, um, and in order to um, enter, you have to use the Miami-Dade College archives, um, so I briefly looked through there and found some footage of like the first air shows in Florida and got this idea to make um, a short documentary about air shows in Florida. So I submitted this work in progress. You can either submit completed films or works in progress. Um, I submitted this work in progress and it was one of eight that was selected. Um, and they're now going to support the completion of the film to be submitted next year at the Miami Film Festival. But you have to use footage that was in the archive that seems kind of odd like it's a film but you can't film it um they don't specify the amount that you have to use of the archive so right now i can send you the uh, the link to what i submitted um it's about 30 seconds archival footage and a minute and a half of footage that i have shot now there you go and you have had this incredible opportunity uh, your friend shane his father who happens to be one of the top aerial performers in the U.S. and in North America, for that matter, because he does a lot of shows up north. And I'm sure Mike's gone down south of the border, too. But let's let's talk about this. You walked into this opportunity. Mike, who is a, is a champion of young folks, sees 
sees your work and says, hey, why don't you come out on the road with us and join the circus, so to speak. <laughs> so right. yet another string of bad decisions that you have to promote at the dinner table. How does that go, Steve, when you present this idea so, to your parents? I remember when I was, I was just like in the gym with Shane one day, um, and Shane said that he showed um, his dad, I think it was the Mannequin Challenge video, um, and his dad really liked it. And um, Mike Wiskips had recently fired his social media person and was looking for somebody new. And Shane said, why don't you come check out like his setup? He's got a computer and all these GoPros. Just come talk to him. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, like at the time, I had no formal experience really um and like i knew hardly nothing about aviation so i was really curious why mike wanted to talk to me but um like the first meeting he showed me like all the stuff that he does and i thought it was very crazy um and i basically just agreed like okay i can help you film videos so that's how it all started <laughs> i think i can I, I can shoot this. Yes. And and now you have been what what are some of the craziest places you've shot in or out of? Because people who don't understand that environment find this incredibly fascinating. So so peel the onion back a little bit, Steve. Where where are some of the neat places that you've gotten to shoot and things out of? Because I know that you've done some air to air stuff uh as well. Right. I would say some of the highlights have been um over the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, shooting out of a Cessna. Um, that was shooting Mike and also T-33, uh, Ace Maker. Um, and then also Huntington Beach. I got to ride in the back of an L-39 and photograph um, from there. And also in uh, several helicopters, one of which over Fort Lauderdale, that air show. Um, got to actually sit and hover behind the crowd and watch the entire air show happen. Um, over the beach, so those are some of the coolest. And an L thirty nine is a uh, it's a it's a single engine jet uh, fighter trainer and uh, light attack aircraft used by some governments, which is kind of a cool thing to get to do. And uh, and how old are you now that all of this is taking place, Steve? You're I, uh, I'm twenty. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. There's the benchmark. Your your films have been seen nationally and internationally for the work that you do for Mike Whiskus, and now. Losing Grip, this film project that you have started out, as you've said, just as sort of a, a thing to do in the gym with your old uh, gym buddy there, Shane, yeah. uh, has has grown into something that is becoming a feature full-length film. And, and to put this into perspective again, another, another waypoint along the way, in 1969, 230 men's collegiate uh, teams were, were in, involved in gymnastics uh, at the collegiate level in the U.S., 230. Today, 15. Yeah. Wow. And and this film brings to light uh, the incredible power of of what gymnastics can bring and, and more importantly, the, the work ethic and, and just the process uh, that's involved by these young men. And I think it's really great that you're doing this. Talk to me about this film because here we are. Uh, you're about a, what, about a year or so into production now. And yep. what's next with it? So right now I'm doing an independent study at my school, working with one professor to pre-plan everything, because this is the largest project I've sort of taken on. 
Um, so I'm getting everything um, just sorted out. Um, and then also looking at um, all the different sort of themes I want to cover, the different people I want to interview, um, and then getting permission to film in all the different places. Um, so right now, a couple of the themes that I'm looking at are flight, strength, pain, and failure, along with several others. Um, Let's talk about failure because, you know, I have had this conversation with Shane's dad before, uh, with Mike. And failure okay. is is really important in the development of a person, right? We have to fail a little bit in life to understand the sweetness of success. But more importantly, you have to fail to know that it's okay to fail. And that right. that's that's a huge part of, of life is failure, right? So how how do you plan on expressing this in the film? Because obviously in Jim, I mean, it's pretty cut and dried, right? It's subjective. There is some subjectiveness to it with judges. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you fall off or if you mess up, you know, you got to deal with that. So how is this explored in the film? Yeah, so um, when Shane uh, first went to the U of M, his, uh, his first year, going into like the second year, um, he struggled a little bit, and he, he wasn't super happy with his performances. He was still um, doing very well, but for, for his goals, he was not hitting his mark. Um, so uh, this past past year, I uh, took a gap year and worked with the University of Minnesota men's gymnastics team and was able to film at almost all their competitions. So um, I'm planning to incorporate the footage of um, – when he, he was not as happy with how he was doing. Um, and I actually remember um, in Chicago, um, after the competition, um, I went out to eat with Shane and his parents, um, and Shane was pretty disappointed about um, his, his competition there. Um, and he was just, I don't know, it, it like got to him it just made him want to train even harder to get to the point where he could be satisfied. And um, I think like, since that time, he has really improved quite a bit um, and been able to showcase his talents um, both um, in the collegiate NCAAs, but also um, he's competed internationally now and done very well. So, And we don't know how this is going to end. I mean, this is the... The difficult part right. about making a film like this is you don't know how this is going to end. Failure could play a larger part in this if it doesn't go as planned. What What is the hope here for this film? How, so, how are you hoping it ends? In an ideal world, um, Shane would go to the Olympic trials, he makes the team, um, and then proceeds on to the Tokyo Olympics and hopefully does well there. That would be the ideal goal. Um, I have heard some reports that... Um, they're watching the coronavirus and they're going to make a decision if they're even going to hold the Olympics. Um, so that's a little, it's another added twist. Um, but even if um, either Shane does not make it to the Olympic team or something else happens, um, since the focus of this film is also more broadly the decline of men's collegiate gymnastics, it will still like, have some form, even if um, all of the real life um, parts that we're following, even if um, they 
don't work out as planned. They'll still be included, but um, it'll still still have the same sort of focus. So what caused the decline? What do you think the uh, the answer is there? So the most um, direct cause would be um, in 1972 when Title IX was implemented, um, and specifically the proportionality standard that the same number of spots for men's athletics would have to be for women's athletics. And because of the popularity of football and basketball and the larger men's sports, um, a lot of the smaller men's sports had to be cut. Um, so that's the main reason. Um, and then also through my research, I found um, in uh, 1998, the NCAA implemented um, a rule that in order to hold an NCAA championships, um, each sport would have to have at least 40 member institutions. And men's gymnastics only had about 27 at the time. So the whole sport of men's gymnastics in college was about to be cut. Uh, but the uh, U.S. Olympic Committee raised $8 million to lobby the NCAA and they created this thing called the Olympic exception that if a sport is in the Olympics, they can hold an NCAA championship even if they don't have the minimum number of schools to do it. And what has this done in the private sector? Uh, has some enterprising business owner figured out a way to foster these these men at this in this particular age category for an Olympic sport? Or has it just all but gone away? You know, the, there's not too many other sort of tracks to go to the Olympics outside of being on a college team. Um, like the normal route is you start in a club program, you, you develop there through high school because there are almost no high school as gymnastics teams anywhere as far as I know. Uh, so you start in a club program, then hopefully you get onto a scholarship of one of the 15 men's college gymnastics teams um, do well there and then try out for um, the Olympic trials. Um, and that's basically the only, the only way to get there. That is interesting. So this film, uh, again, Losing Grip, uh, which is in production right now, focusing on the number of men's collegiate gymnastics teams in the U.S. right now, 15, as opposed to 230 back in 1969 and following the career of Shane Wiskus, your friend. You haven't thought about this yet, but I think if if something goes terribly wrong in the film, that uh, you could finish this film by following Mike Wiskus to the Olympics <laughs> in curling, maybe, or something like that. He uh, likes to eat ice cream every once in a while. We could have a late-night ice cream Olympic team, maybe, and go go that way. What have you learned Steve, young young Steve Nye here in in all of this uh, because you know this is a show that reaches a lot of people, a lot of age groups. So, what what have you learned in all of this? Because I, I this is going to be an important thing for me. What what what's the takeaway here? You know, so from working with Mike, I've learned an incredible amount um, in many aspects of you know just how to how to network with people, business aviation, all that. Um, and I think a lot of that has sort of been incorporated into my life and how I, how I see things and do things. So um, in pre-planning and the filming that I've done so far for this documentary on Shane, um, I don't 
like the the ability to network with all these different people. Like I've already reached out to several individuals in the community who I'd like to um, interview here. I don't think I would have those same skills um, had I not learned a lot of that from Mike. So day-to-day -day stuff. Now let's talk about parents. Uh, for the folks that are listening out there that have kids who are not looking forward to the conversation when their young person comes to the table and says, Mom, Dad, I'm, I'd, I'd like to be a filmmaker. Uh, let's talk about this just a little bit and, and unpack this. So one day when you're in that position, uh, how, how is your answer going to be shaped when something uncomfortable like this comes up? I mean, you're not asking to be a meth dealer. I mean, let's put this in perspective here. But, but film, parents often hear that and they go, oh, 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 my goodness. What now? How am I, how, how am I going to get little Joey that wanted to be an engineer back on track? I mean, let, let's talk about this because you've done well with it. You're still in school and, and the rest is, is yet to be seen, but you're getting good traction right now. Things are going well. Uh, talk to me about that. What are you, what are you thinking about? How, right. how are you going to file that memory away when it's, when it's your turn to have that conversation? You know, like people always say like, follow your dreams and i feel like that always that always sounds cheesy and i mean i never never really i guess took the time to know what my dreams were um so i guess once you once you really find out what you're passionate about and what you deeply love um there's there's always going to be like a job for that so um me with film like I'm deeply passionate about telling stories in a visual way um, so I think having a job that I that I personally feel very connected to um, is a much more fulfilling sort of career to have than what I might have been good at with engineering but was not did not have the same like emotional connection to now, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, here you are, you're 20. Does it ever just come up that you maybe, maybe I want to go get my training as an engineer and then fall back on film? Or are you at the point now where you think, no, this is one of those course corrections in life. I'm, I'm going to go for the gamble. I'm just going to run headlong into this. You know, I have, I've found several different opportunities um, where I can use like what I'm learning both in school and also what I've learned before with film. Um, so I, I feel comfortable with um, like having things to work on in the future. Um, it, it still would be cool to, I guess, get something like in aerospace engineering minor or something like that. Um, <laughs> You'd be the first, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Film with an aerospace engineering minor. <laughs> I, I mean, but I, why not? I you know, really, I mean, that's that's cool. Yeah. I could totally see you doing that. I've got about ten hours towards my private pilot's license, um, so I, it could be, it could be possible. I mean, um, one of my dream jobs would be to operate a uh, stunt helicopter camera thing for for movies. So, sort of the Kevin. La Rosa model. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. Well, I think this is going to be really fun to watch over the next 10 years. And I, I hope that we're still doing this show about meeting your neighbors 
and getting to know people where they're at in their life. We've talked to folks that are middle-aged. We've talked to some old folks on this show. And you, Stephen Nye, I am proud to say, are one of the first young people that we've spoken to. And I think it's really cool to get this perspective. you got your head screwed on straight. That's great. And you are doing fantastic work. I mean, truly phenomenal film work. Now, just for, for grins here, you, you at this point, last time we spoke, you're not really planning a Hollywood style career. You would love to do the, the, the aer- you know the aerial portion of filmmaking, which is really cool. But let's let's talk about this. Uh, you you realized, I think, early on that the commercial side of this is way more lucrative than the actual movie side of this as far as day to day work. But but what are you thinking about? I mean, the aerial part it would be awesome. That's the top goal. Where 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 are you thinking you're going to fall uh, if that if that's not attained? So that's an interesting question because when I was looking at colleges, I looked in three in uh, California, um, and I, I did like them. But the I guess current sort of situation in LA and Hollywood, um, I'm not the the biggest fan of, and um, I there there's a lot of opportunities everywhere and especially with what I want to do in documentary filmmaking um, it requires a lot of travel so as long as wherever I'm living has a good airport I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> fine with it I guess spoken like a guy that has spent the last few years in in and around an aviation family as long as there's a good airport I'm going to be all right yes. well so see what I'm hoping to get out of you and what I what I'm hoping we've captured is that ability that you have come up with early on in life to make sound and logical decisions not based on pure emotion and you're in a very emotional career field right now I mean filmmaking is all about capturing emotion on film and so to be in touch with that and yet able to make sound decisions i i think you're to be applauded i can't wait to see this so when are we gonna when are we gonna get our, our first glimpse at losing grip i know that's the big question everybody's asking you but i mean it's not it's not finished <laughs> you know in, right. on the filming side so so what are we looking at steve how how long a project here so the timeline um right now the uh, olympics are um end of july into august um so that's hopefully when I'm going to finish filmmaking the actual production part, um, I'm hoping to have a trailer, an official trailer um, sometime in September. Um, And then for the final version to be submitted to film festivals, um, that would be around November of this year. Okay. Good stuff. Okay. Without saying follow your dreams, Wrap this up, Steve Nye, filmmaker, future Olympian documentary filmmaker, baby. We'll see. What do you tell people? How do you course correct when life throws you a curveball? I would say um, put your foot in as many different opportunities as you can because you never know where those opportunities and those connections will lead you in the future. I like it. And you didn't you didn't say follow your dreams, which would be a disappointment at this point in this show. Steve Nye, thanks for uh, thanks for sitting down with me and talking about this. 
Again, it's Stephen Nye. You can follow him on Instagram if you're on there. You can follow him on Facebook. And the film, Losing Grip, to be determined on a release date. But you can check out uh, one of the quick little uh, clips there. We'll have it available on the show story. But listen, I don't care where you're at in your life. If you're 20, if you're 10, if you're 110, that's great advice that Stephen just gave us. Put your foot in as many different holes and see where it goes. I like that idea. A life worth living is is a life that has been lived. And Steve Nye, Steve Nye is, is doing that. And I hope that today, wherever you're at, that you find a little hope. Maybe you find a little understanding in this uh, quick 30 minutes that we get to share once a month. Coming up on History Worth Saving next month, an all-new show, an all-new direction, in fact, something... Well, I, I can't talk that much about it yet, but I, I want you to be sure to tune in. By the way, the way that you can never miss an episode is to subscribe to the newsletter. It's historyworthsaving.com. Subscribe there and never miss a minute, never miss an episode. We'll be moving into our spring programming and then follow that uh, by some really cool stuff this summer. So my thanks to all of you, though, uh, for listening to this. And my thanks to Stephen Nye. Get out there and get to know your neighbor. We'll talk to you next month. Thank you.